there any good games left? Uh, this year? Is Path of Exile the only good game in the world? No. Well, that's good. Because I need a break sometimes, but definitely not anytime soon. I'm I'm still upset because my my path has like completely ended this time. It's like I went down a uh, a path that had a dead end. Because I uh I, I could keep going, but it's just unfortunate because I I feel like the current my current state I have no survivability and it's it's a huge issue. Did you get mind over matter? Um no, because my thing currently doesn't say to do that. But Go buy I, some life items. Go get some yeah, mind over I, matter. I have to buy some life items. If, if it's it's bad, you know the the worst part about it is that this was my absolute favorite league up until I just now can't stop dying. And you're playing one of the best classes, if if not the best the best build. Yeah, I mean nothing nothing is currently good for me yet. Like I'm not on to my second um uh ascendancy which i think is gonna make a big deal because that's gonna make my heralds cheaper wait you're not even done leveling no that's the issue just go get some leveling items that's the that's the whole issue is that like if I, if it were end game it would be a lot easier because i feel like i would be more comfortable like putting some money into uh decent items and stuff but i feel like it's hard to find items that just have like a little bit more survivability or what i'm looking for currently yeah but it'll cost you like two alchemy orbs to get like a gold wrap or something Hmm. I don't know. I should do something like that, but I, 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 I don't know. I just feel like, just feel like I had a dead end. I'm just dying all the time. Because before this, I was like unkillable. I just, well, I, just I, I was wrecking where, bosses. Where I, are you in the game? Um, like Act Six. Yes. Yeah, I think that's right. You could also always just uh, choose some new abilities to supplement what you're doing. Just choose like flamethrower trap. You could probably get through the whole game by just throwing a flamethrower trap. Interesting. Because that's because it has a cooldown, and things with cooldowns in Path of Exile are incredibly strong, except for Flame Dash. But everything else, be strong. Flame Dash is still the most confusing ability in the game. I ha I use that right now for some reason. It's it's bad. It's ba have it you is thought bad. about getting a shield and just shield charging? Oh, are you using a wand? Um, no, I'm using two weapons. I'm using a dagger and a sword. Oh, so use whirling blades. Um, or maybe it's a mace or something, a cudgel, uh, or maybe, maybe, maybe it is a wand up first or something, uh, because I know I can't do whirling blades right now, but this is WTDG podcast for the week of June 26th. For some reason, uh, we're talking about a video game. Be with you. I played some video games this week. Uh, friend of the show, John gets visited and we played a lot of blaze blue cross tag. Wow. I'm interested to hear about that. Um, that's just because that's a pretty good game. Just because I didn't know that John was playing it, it doesn't like super shock me that that's a that's true. But um, so you played a lot of Blaze Blue Cross Tag. How was that? I think that John is much better at Blaze Blue Cross Tag than he is at any other fighting game. He's pretty good at it, and and uh, you know the things that actually surprised me about playing with him was how good he was at his defense. And initially, one of my worries with um, Blaze Blue Cross Tag was that there wouldn't be enough defensive options. I, I sort of worried immediately that, okay, if you get hit once, your character is just going to die. And, and there's so many systems in Blaze Blue Cross Tag that it can be easy to forget some of them. Uh, for example, there is a system where if you are in the middle of a combo, like if you're in the middle of getting comboed, you can press a button and it will get you out of the combo. It'll essentially switch your teammate in and save you. 
And I thought that that was a really cool system until every time that I started up a combo, I, I got taken out of it. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's pretty frustrating. Um, but it was cool. I mean, I, I think that that's the, better than the alternative of, oh, I nailed my combo and since I've been in training mode, I deal 88,000 damage with my combo. So you're almost dead. Sucks to suck. And I'm, yeah. I'm not crazy about that. And it's something that kind of, you know, bugs me about all 2v2 and 3v3 games, mostly 3v3 games. Uh, and I'm sort of glad that it doesn't seem to be as big an issue in this game. It's not, mostly a, because it, of all this, the... it's not even like an issue in, it was an issue in Marvel, but in uh, DBZ, it's more like, uh, you got hit, and now you're gonna take enough. You're gonna take a bunch of damage, and you're you're gonna get corner carried, and then you have to like eat an oncoming mix up, and like whether or you're not you're still you... losing like half your health. Yeah, like you're losing like half your health, and then you have to do like a a couple like really ridiculous blocks just to be able to not die. But um, yeah, that's what that's that's what I've been playing. But uh, so what uh teams are you guys playing with? I'm playing Ori, Blake, and Rachel. And Yukiko, uh, I'm playing a lot of different characters. I just started out some of uh, with Aegis, and um, I forget the name of the new Uniel character. Aegis, but sure. they already started. They started Carmine. Uh, no, the other one, the the Batista. Batista. Yeah. So I've been playing some of the new characters as well. I, you had a problem in that game where you couldn't find a character that you liked, but I sort of have the opposite problem of. I like almost everybody in this game, and I don't know. That makes it tricky to to really nail down a team. But that wasn't uh, exactly my problem with the game. Go on. My my problem with the game was more like I I I, I my, it, it came in like a moment where uh I, like I had been practicing a lot. I, I there were some characters that I kind of found fun, but I wasn't finding like a lot of cohesion or like team balance. And I mean, it was early on, so it was the first like couple days of, of the game so people didn't really have like team combos or anything yet and I was trying to practice and I was trying to get online and I went to like the most populated server and I think that there has been a known issue that the servers are Asia region for some reason yeah popular like casual server and there there's a lot of people there but uh all the connections are bad and I have to walk around and try and physically find someone to fight and uh, I said, fuck this, I'm never going to play it. And I stopped playing it. Did you pay $70 for it? Did I pay $70? I'll leave that up to the viewers. Do you think that maybe since you paid $70, you should give it another go? What's it going to take? Is it going to take like a patch? Like, are you going to have to hear down the grapevine, like we fixed this issue and then maybe you go back and play it? Or... Are you just too deep into DBZ Fighters to really consider another um, game? I'm really, I really, really love DBZ Fighters and actually like uh, uh, Dragon Ball Fighters, and um, I, I feel like I, there's there is so much at the same time that I like about it, and with the addition, I think specifically of like Vegito. Uh, I, that's kind of been my thing. Like, like I, I, I went from, I had, I had cooled on Dragon Ball Fighters and I was still playing it about once a week for a little bit. And after Vegito came out, I've been playing it with almost all my free time. It's been like the video game that I'm playing. Uh, Vegito just, uh, is 
so fun and satisfying and ridiculous and the stuff you can do it just like looks crazy and is crazy and i feel like he has some of the the most intense thought process behind his neutral game and stuff like that so are a lot of people playing him a lot of people are definitely gravitating to him no one's playing zamasu anymore i think zamasu is just too hard for the payoff i think zamasu is the character is a character that like if someone played it aggressively for like a year then they would be a or like a force to be reckoned with for example like uh the problem maybe maybe at this very moment uh i'm i'm sure a viewer could could say like they're otherwise but uh i think the the strongest player of the entire in the entire world right now of dragon ball fighters is this kid from new york uh hook gang god and he plays piccolo and piccolo is ho- is awful um he's always thought of as awful he has to work really really hard He's very low tier. He has to work much harder than any other character. But he was one of those characters that from the beginning, I was like, there's a lot of this kit that you could see being kind of broken, but it's just that you have to work too hard for it. And in it, like, he, like, uses a lot of meter and all these, you know, things. But uh, Hook Gang God is probably the best. And he just never dropped Piccolo and he just kept playing Piccolo. And I feel like it's gotten to him to a point where he's just a little bit, too difficult to play against for some people uh even the best players with some of his like piccolo mix-ups that are just like too good and too smart and he has too many combo routes and stuff like that so i feel like zamasu is a similar character where if you played zamasu for like a year and you really stuck with him or less than a year i mean like six months or so uh you would become a monster with him because he has some really really dirty stuff it's just that it's all he is the he is easily the most timing intensive and most difficult character to play. His his regular like bread and butter combo is uh, ridiculously hard to pull off. So what is it about New York that just produces the best fighting game players? Um, it's the is halal. It the size is it is it the character is it like the player density? It's the halal. Is it how easy it is. To, it's the halal. It's just yeah, the halal. It's just the halal. It's the white sauce. Uh, Hook Gang God, you can tell right away, he's the kind of person that he goes up to a halal cart and they say, okay, uh, uh, they're st- do you want white sauce? And they start putting it on and then uh, Hook Gang God says, I'll tell you when. And then the person just keeps putting it on and they look up and they're like, really? Is this- Did you forget that you were going to tell me when? Am I supposed to keep doing this? Surely this has to be enough white sauce. It's ma- At this point, it's just all white sauce. I'm still going. And Hook Gang God is just staring him down saying, no, you keep going. And that's probably what uh, I think. That's one of the main Do you differences. Think he gets the spicy sauce as well, or is it just he gets a, he gets sauce? a little of the spicy sauce. That's all we've been playing, right? I mean, uh, I've been playing Path of Exile. I'm starting my second character uh, on my five day weekend. Okay. I'm, I'm going. I'm gonna play traps. I'm gonna do it. So I've got a character that can essentially uh, wipe an entire map just by running through it. And next, I'm going to create a character that just bosses. So I'll sort of get both flavors. This is this this is the uh, this is the season that I complete thirty six challenges and I defeat every boss in the game. I would love to see it, and it, and if you're going to do it in any season, it probably should be Incursion League because it's the best. Because it's the best. Um, so yeah, I, you've been playing Blades of Cross Tag. Uh, I've been playing. Is there anything? Yeah, is there anything you're looking forward to playing? I was looking into that new uh, Don't Nod game. It actually released. It's the precursor to uh, Life is Strange 2. And uh, what is it? 
Captain Spirit. It just released today on Steam. Um, I'm not sure. Pro- I'm not sure of anything of any of the words you just and said. Your, and your results. Oh, and and what happens in that game carries over into Life is Strange season two. Ooh, is that going to be good though? I and I I, yeah. I I I say that as a as a as someone who really really loved Life is Strange. I just feel like it was over because it was over. There wasn't like an ambiguity about the ending of that game. What if it's an anthology though? That could be good. Oh yeah, sure. Okay, that could be that that could be better. I I just I don't I don't want to see I, I don't want to see those characters again. Me, me neither. That would make no sense. I th- I hope that it's an anthology I know nothing about season two. I I really absolutely love Life is Strange, and I I feel like you could never sell me again on those characters because it would be like anathema. Like it's like it, it I there that was a beginning and an end, and it was unbelievably satisfying. And to to do anything else for me, like even that that new like Life is Strange like prequel stuff that that had to do with Chloe, I feel like I I just can't. I just can't see it. It's not worth it to see it because it's just I don't need anything yeah. more than what there was. Are there any other upcoming games that you're excited for? You know, I'm actually excited. Games? For- are you talking about some P games or are we talking about? I'm Because I'm excited for Resident Evil 2. Is that weird? No, that was a good game. Resident Evil 2 was the scariest game in the Resident Evil series. But uh, it also was, by the way, the first one with Leon Kennedy. Uh, when I was a kid and I was playing Resident Evil 2, there was a part where uh, you're walking through a hallway that you've been in before and zombies break through like the windows and start grabbing at you. And I just got up and turned off the game and that was the end of it. I oh my think God, I can you never do better this time. Okay. Yeah, that game looks very good. Uh, Steam Summer Sale is going on. I don't know if anything in that interests you, but... I bought Tabletop. Oh, okay, yeah. I will get in on that as well, then. I don't know if I... I I I don't think I bought anything else yet. I'm... I'm, I've got some stuff. I'm going to play Monster Slayers, which is uh, that game that has similarity to Slay the Spire. I have a... Streets of Rogue in my cart. I have similarities to Slay the Spire. You gotta have you gotta have a really good, goddamn good game to play to be similar to Slay the Spire right now. Or you could be two dollars and twenty five cents, and I'd probably be willing to check you out regardless. Yeah, I guess so. But but I'm gonna go back to that Slay the Spire because the defect is pretty. Dope. Oh, for sure. Uh, I, I had my best run ever with the defect recently. I had like a run where I was probably unstoppable with what I had going on. Um, I had like a power build with mummified hand with so many, with like, uh, like this, like lightning power innate. And then there's a new card that I hadn't seen before in the beta version of the, the, the defect where it was, um, like your, it it is a power that, uh, says your lightning orbs when evoked hit the entire hit all enemies rather than a random enemy. And it also gives you two. Uh, charges of lightning orb and i think that was like the thing because like i ended up doing a lot of like lightning orb powers so i had one thing like the uh, what is i think it's like lightning storm or whatever that whenever you play a power you uh, generate a, a, a lightning orb and at some point i was just like generating so many orbs and i had um uh like all the plus um what's the terminology for the the stronger version of the orbs something like that efficiency um yeah so it was my best run yet, and they've added uh, that that team. Uh, we I know we talk about Slay the Spire every single 
show, but that team continues to pump out a patch every week. And what that means for for players is that uh, every time I'm playing it, I feel like I'm I'm still encountering like new events and they're adding new um, relics and stuff like that. So and new cards. So I just feel like the game is in a constant a state of game. like growing better. It it, I, it was a really really good game, and it it's never stopped being a really really good game. So, I I think I, I have legitimately had the thought that there's a chance that Slay the Spire is my game of the year, and it came out in January. What else during the Steam Summer Sale? One thing that I've been thinking about, it's a game that I've been going back and forth on, is Ori and the Blind Forest. Have you looked at that at all? Um, I've kind of wanted to play that game. Uh, and if it's cheap, I, I might check it out. Stopping me, it's it's fifty percent off right now. It is a Metroidvania, and I bet it's pretty damn good because I've it's heard good, I've heard fantastic things. I've never heard a bad thing. I've seen a a uh, ADGQ run of it. Speaking of which, uh, we're hiding. Oh, yeah, we're kind of hiding we in the week. Of. We are hiding the uh, the the whole the whole thing. Huh? There was an Enter the Gungeon run yesterday, and the runner died. Oh, 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 okay. Uh, you you terrified me for a moment. I thought you meant that the uh, runner died during the, the run. The runner failed. He he uh, got a game over on the last boss for the sake of clarity. And right now they're running Metroid Zero Mission. Yeah, it's a four-player. It's four, a 44. I mean, four Which four is player, far too... Girl. That's too much. I mean, I've, I've talked about this in the past. But and I've talked about why I think it is exactly enough, but... I, I just can't do it. Yeah, I, I like I it because it gives the, you a gauge for like how people are doing. So you kind of respect the player that are doing well more than when you don't the, know the, the Dust game. The Force run was very cool yesterday, and that was a race. Yeah, Dust Force uh, is really cool. Have you so, seen obviously. anything cool yet for eight, for SGDQ? I've been so busy. The, today is uh, today is Tuesday. It started Sunday, and I worked all Sunday. Uh, Monday, which was yesterday was my uh ltcp's uh one of her best friend's birthday so she threw this whole th that doesn't even count if it's she... like a best friend you don't have to show up for that no i had to i mean it was fun we we uh went to an escape room my favorite escape okay. room that i've ever been to having gone to uh quite a few at this point uh it's in massapequa um i went to one in manhattan recently too uh but uh maybe maybe uh during my long vacation you can check out the ones over here oh yeah my, are... my ltcp would be very easy to wrangle into that i just say escape room and she'll basically be there and then but we it... can bait her into a five-hour game of uh food chain magnate yeah we could try that uh but it, it, we uh yeah so we did an escape room we got out in two minutes it was pretty cool it was a it was a uh almost saw themed like uh called prey where we were all, I was uh, chained. I was in That's a separate. I was in a separate room, and I was chained to a pipe in the room, and I couldn't move. And my LTCP, her friend who was having his birthday, Xavier, and Xavier's friend Effie, uh, were in uh, another room, and I could hear them, um, but I couldn't see them. And we had to exchange keys and combinations and talk about what we were seeing to solve certain clues um and uh there was some really cool stuff about that room um uh i don't think uh uh we got out in like two minutes before the game was over but uh uh i think the coolest thing that i've ever the coolest escape room i've ever done out of the five that i've done so far was this pirate themed room and everything was magnetized 
Um, so all of the things were like video game things where you like put this magnet on the wall in the right spot and then like a door a trap door opens and you go to a separate room and then like do something there and like set up these magnet busts the right way and then all this other you know locks unlocks like another secret room and you're seeing something like you haven't seen before oh there's some crazy stuff in that room but um so yeah we did that uh we went to hibachi got some hibachi and mm-hmm. after that we saw what is uh what is without hyperbole and i know you're going to think it is hyperbole the worst you're movie pretty, you're pretty big on hyperboles I, I i don't feel like i'm that bad i feel like i can walk it back a, a lot it, of times was it jurassic world fallen it, kingdom it was jurassic world fallen kingdom was the worst movie i've ever seen i'm putting anything into that into that category i'm putting like the room um i just use that as a good example uh stuff that neil green has done jurassic world fallen kingdom is the worst movie I have ever sat through. So uh, it wasn't even like fun. It was not enjoyable in almost any sense. It was infuriating. Uh, it was it was ex- incredibly infuriating because if the first Jurassic of the if the first new Jurassic Park movie um, had some like weird plot holey kind of things that would maybe get you like scratching your head like hey uh. Claire, the character that we're supposed to like, kind of caused every single death because she was greedy. Uh, then this one will have you just reeling in your yeah. seat. There, and uh, let's not go too deep on, I, I don't, on Jurassic I, Park. I don't want to. Okay, I don't want to go too deep on it. I want to say one of the best. You do. I just. I don't want to go too deep on it. I just want to say one of the best scenes in the entire movie. So I will try and keep this as uh, spoiler free uh, as possible. Uh, these two characters are caught in a bunker as a volcano is going off okay this is a very action movie so sounds far romantic, sounds romantic okay. and sounds insane it's not romantic it's not romantic um so the characters are like they're they're locked in here and the volcano is going off and the like lava it. the lava is starting to break into the bunker it's starting to melt the ground and kind of like seep does. into the bunker that's what the lava does so the characters are like how are we gonna get out of here this is terrifying and they're looking around for a second <laughs> And then they, they, they look at the um, computer system, and one of the characters, who's a smart kind of hackery character... Why, did, why don't they flush the lava out of the room? Um, well, I'll tell you what they, the, what they did. Just stay, just stay with me on this one, because this is going to show... Because this, this scene will uh, f- is a good descriptor for the rest of uh, Jurassic World. It's actually an analogy for the whole entire movie. And this is real. So they're in this room, and there's lava coming down, and they're like, okay, so this hacker kid is like, uh, I, I bet I can get this door open that leads further into the bunker, and we can find a way out. So he he opens up a door, sure. and suddenly a red blip appears on the map. What is that? They had just a scene before uh, uh, started tracking all the dinosaurs on the island. That means that there's a dinosaur that is coming into the room with them, with the oh, lava. No. Is so, he lava proof? Lava proof dinosaur? He he might be. So the the dinosaur finally comes in, and they're like, "Oh man, I hope it's not a carnivore." And it is, and it's scary. And there's a bunch of lava, and now there's a carnivore in the mix, and now they're kind of like stuck in this room, and it's a scary action moment where they're stuck in the room with this carnivore and this lava. And then uh, they turn to their right, and there's a ladder. Oh well, why did they climb the ladder in the first place? One one would think that. Their first reaction would have been, we're stuck in the room, let's look over to the right. There's a ladder. But instead, what they did 
was they hacked a computer and they opened up a gate that caused a carnivorous dinosaur to come. And why did they do that? The answer is because the answer is the same for every other answer in Jurassic World, and that is because the director thought it would be cool if the people were climbing up a ladder and the dinosaur was snapping at their feet, and he couldn't find any sensical way to make that happen. So he had to make the characters yet, huh? so stupid that they What's the through line? Imagine them imagine imagine that you're in imagine that your thought process would actually tell you that Let's hack open the door. Let's hack a computer terminal to open a door to possibly go deeper into this bunker to find an exit before you turn to your fucking right and find a ladder that leads up and out of the bunker. Why would you do that? That is that is only one scene of this horrible movie, but the entire movie. It was your favorite scene. It was my favorite scene because it it is it's a it, it's my favorite scene because if you if you get a chance to watch this absolute garbage fire, um, or if anyone else has got a chance to watch this, uh, it'll describe that scene is early on and it'll give you a good hint at what the rest of the movie will be because everything that happens is like wait why did that happen that doesn't make any sense why the characters are acting in such a, a illogical way but but it did lead to an action moment and that's it like every character is acting illogically and doing stupid things and there's no logic to the movie but it's just leading from action moment to action moment to action moment with no like cohesive plot line and no character development. It's well, horrible. Well, I'm glad that we spent some time talking about that. But it made me remember that I played another video game. A video game that moves from action moment to action moment. And that is Quake Champions. Oh, I thought it was Doom. I, I downloaded Doom again. Like, tell me about Quake Champions. If you downloaded Doom and if you like Doom, then maybe you should play Quake Champions. The, the thing that's weird about Quake Champions is the way that these games have such a high skill level associated with them. And it's not with just the shooting, but also with the movement. And that's something that I've missed a lot over the years since like tribes hasn't really been around, but a lot of people that we know have been playing this friends of the show, Sean and Josh and Ryan Galloway have all been playing some quake champions. And we got a bunch of Quakers right here. And that's what made me want to get into it. So quake champions for the uninitiated is a hero shooter, but with quake elements. And I really, I don't know about you, but I really dig arena style shooters where you don't like necessarily have a full loadout and you have to move around the map to pick up weapons and sort of creating the route by which you pick up weapons is part of the skill set. And sort of beginning to understand like, based on what characters and heroes other players are choosing, what routes will they take and and how can i sort of use that metagame knowledge to react to them mm -hmm. is there a character that you're uh kind of leaning towards? i think that i'm too bad at quake to know for sure but i do like bj blaskowitz oh yeah isn't doom That's marine in that character. doom marine is in that i would probably play doom marine i've been playing doom again doom is very good but uh yeah so i, I bought the I bought the character pack that that uh, it's like fifteen or twenty dollars that gives you all access to all the characters. That's a good game. Oh, very cool. Um, have you been playing anything else before we go into some P things? No, but but have you played any Quake? I mean, do you know anything about Quake? The way that the movement I have works, not. The, uh... I, I have not played Quake. I mean, I know like rocket jumping and the the, the I, I know the movement of Quake is just like super super I fast. I, I, I played. Oh, I, I played. No, never mind. I'm thinking of Unreal Tournament. 
Yeah, so there's this technique called strafe jumping, and, and it's sort of like, uh, not exactly like surfing, but like there's a, a sort of momentum to it. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done like uh, Counter-Strike surfing maps or any of those sort of... No, um, but I know the similar... I know the thing is like you're basically like enough. jumping and turning and jumping and turning. Like bunny hopping yeah, a little bit? Yeah, so, so it is like bunny hopping, but as you're moving, you you essentially are pivoting between like holding and leaning left and right while moving your mouse such that you're like gaining all of this momentum. And the game is so much about that momentum that you could actually uh, put a speedometer on your HUD. That's and, cool. and there are characters that are based around different mm -hmm. movement abilities, like uh, beginning characters might have faster ground movement and they get to like uh, build up that ground movement. But professional players who are playing the same character will be able to move faster through the strafe jumping. And the, the specific character I'm talking about has this ability where if you collide with someone, the faster you're going, the more damage you'll do. So it's something that really rewards understanding the mobility of the game. It's almost like they use those beginner characters to teach you the skills that you're going to need to exceed at the game. Interesting. That launches uh, next month, but it's in like an open beta kind of thing? Uh, it was in a situation where they had a one-week period where if you downloaded the game, it was yours. Otherwise, it's like 20 bucks. Oh, okay. I downloaded it. It's yours. Neat. That's a really cool way to do that, guys. Listen up. Um, so you've been playing some some board games, have you? I guess you? so. I guess so, yeah, I do. Uh, I kind of want to hear some of the stuff you did. I have a really short board game to talk about. I had a... I had an easy day on Sunday, and my partner was kind of nerdy, so we we got posted near this Barnes and Nobles basically, and we went in, and I was, and it's the best Barnes and Nobles I've ever been to because it has like a suspiciously board game geek top one hundred or Is so. It, uh, the one in Comac. It's in Massapequa. Okay. Um, Tell me about that. Uh, so they have like you know a lot of stuff like that that anyone who is kind of into board games would be interested in they've got like your seven wonders your agriculture yes yes yeah you could, you, you could tell you could probably tell me what they have castles of burgundy y yes they do yes they do um, castles of burgundy is a fantastic game by the way i've never played it um but they uh they have a they had a bunch of stuff um and i settled on Five Minute Dungeon because Five Minute Dungeon was twenty dollars, and because Ooh, the name yeah, of it nice. is Five Minute Dungeon, and uh, I, in fact, already backed uh, to completion the uh, Five Minute Dungeon Curses Foiled Again expansion, uh, and I got the big box that has Five Minute Dungeon in it, but it wasn't really that expensive, and I kind of been been like itching to play or see what that game is like since I actually like backed it, so it's kind of like. I, I, I do want to play the base game. So I got it for like 20 bucks. That's I don't think that's that expensive and it's pretty fun to play. Uh, it is a really cool, intense, cute, adorable, incredible artwork game. It's very simple. Um, you just basically make this like boss deck uh, or like dungeon deck uh, and every card you're pulling is either like an enemy, an obstacle uh, or something like that. It'll be like a person, a obstacle or a monster and or, or an event and an event will cause you to so so i'm not i'm not maybe i'm not explaining everyone picks a class and classes have their own abilities and they have their own deck 
they draw a, a, a hand of five cards and you begin you have this like timer which you can have an app for it the, uh, there's a five minute dungeon app that does it and even has like a lot of cool flavor and like different announcers and stuff like that but uh basically you're drawing these dungeon cards and they they tell you how to complete them and you're completing them with the with, with these basically like colored cards there are scrolls swords uh jump it's like attack jump scroll and shield and another one. oh uh, and sh- and uh arrow um and those are like the four the five colors corresponding to five different classes with a, a and there's more complex stuff but that's the core of the game is basically that you're you're drawing an enemy and the enemy has uh spots for two attacks and one shield to be able to beat that enemy and you and your partners uh two to five players are drawing cards from their deck and putting them in a communal pile to be able to kill it to go on to the next thing and you pull another card and you're doing this all in five minutes so it's like a really cool uh frantic game i had a lot of fun with it and i look forward to playing that a little bit more but i want to hear more about your stuff okay sure um where to begin i played a lot of board games this week uh, where to start? I played Oh My Goods. Are you familiar with Oh My Goods? I've never oh heard of that. Goods is a, uh, it is a tableau building sort of Euro-y game. Uh, plays really fast in like 30 minutes. And essentially what you're doing is you are, it's worker placement where you sort of start off with like uh, this one building and it can produce coal. And you don't necessarily know uh, if you're going to have the resources to build it and or rather if you have the resources to run it and you have to choose whether uh, you're going to run it efficiently or if you're going to run it uh, poorly. And if you run it efficiently, there's a chance that you might not get the resources you need. If you run it poorly, there's more likely chance that you'll get the, you know, what you need, but you might not get as good returns as you could. And you build that a sort of like a tableau of villages where uh, after you've produced goods, you can then go on to use those goods to build other things and then build other things uh, where effectively over seven rounds or, or seven to 10 rounds, you're building an engine. So okay. really fast engine building worker placement game using all the buzzwords that you need, all the board game buzzwords. Okay. I, I feel like Castles of Burgundy. You played Castles of Burgundy? I played Castles of Burgundy twice. Wow, beloved, uh, I've heard like crazy German good things Army. about that. That is a really uh, famous. Who did that? Do you Let know? Let me take a look. Do you know off the top of your hand? Because I, I know that's a really famous designer who has done a couple other things. Uh, that would be Stefan Feld. Oh, okay. Uh, he releases a game every single year. So uh, over the last couple of years, he's released um, Merlin, uh, La Isla, Aquasphere, Amerigo, Bruges. Uh, he makes a game every year. There's also a Castles of Burgundy, uh, competitive like a like a competition for Castles of Burgundy, every single year, where well, essentially what Castles of Burgundy is is you sort of have this workspace, you sort of have this board, where there are different things you could put on the board. Uh, there's like city areas and field areas, and like um, shipping areas with water, and, and things like that. And eventually on your turn, what you do is you roll two dice. And then with those two dice, you can make different choices. Uh, You can choose tiles to pick up, and that's one of your actions. And you can choose tiles to place down, which is another one of your actions. So the strategy comes in of like, uh, 
sort of what you want to build and how you want to build it and, and sort of understanding what the enemies are going to do. Uh, so for example, um, there's an area with a farm and the way that farm tiles are scored is if you have a sheep, that's worth some points. But if you put multiple sheep next to each other, uh, they become worth more and more points each time you do it. So on your turn, you have to make some decisions like, okay, my enemy is building up sheeps. So do I want to pull off the sheeps off of their, off of that? Because otherwise they're going to get out of control multiplicatively, or do I want to something instead that's going to benefit me? So the thing that I like about this game also is that it has like mild interactivity without being too much. Uh, take that. Okay. Do you feel like uh, it deserves its status? Because I, I, yeah, I feel like because, I. So I got through half a game of Castles of Burgundy. Uh, essentially, I was playing with Paul and we were playing a two player game of Castles of Burgundy, uh, knowing that at some point in the night, John was going to come over. And John arrived halfway through our game. And for the whole weekend, all I could think about was, I really need to just get in another game of Castles of Burgundy and play through it. Okay. And now that I've played it, all that I'm thinking about is, I wonder how I'll do the next time I play Castles of Burgundy. And in the championship of Castles of Burgundy, what they do is, is that board that I was telling you about that has all the different tiles on it, uh, they create a new one for each competition so that the players can't sort of rely on on the familiar board that they know because they have to play with a new board. That's the kind of mechanic that makes around. a game infinitely fun. Absolutely. Very cool. Um, uh, I know you played, like, what, was it Argent the Consortium or something? So I played Argent the Consortium, and that game is awesome. Level 99 is uh, one of my favorite game creators. They created Millennium Blades. Uh, they created BattleCon, which I played a ton of this weekend, and they created Argent the Consortium, uh, which is a worker placement game that has a variable knowledge in it. So here's like the way that Argent the Consortium works is that uh, you are trying to win a position to become the headmaster of a magic academy. Okay. And in order to do that, you need to win the votes of of the academy you need there are essentially different voters uh that are all going to want something from you they're going to want you to have uh the most mana or the most natural magic or the most divinity or something like that however at the start of the game you only know two of them you only know that someone wants you to have the most influence points which are sort of you know the stock uh points that you track in every game. This is something you track in like Charterstone, the influence points, and the most supporters. Then all of the other voters are face down. And throughout the game, you're going to get the ability to look at them secretly without the other players knowing what they are. So you're all going to be having these different objectives. And part of the game is knowing that other players like they know things that you don't know. So you need to think about the objectives that you know that, that so are on clever. the board and also think about what they're doing. So I might notice that one player is holding on to all of his mana. He's not casting any spells. He's not using that currency that could help him. So does his voter want the most mana? 
So the actual play style of the game is sort of like worker placement. And more specifically, it's sort of like musical chairs where there's a certain number of seats in different rooms and getting better seats are going to get you better resources. And if someone is in the way of resources, you can cast spells on them. But obviously then, you know, they can react to those spells or they can sort of mess you up later on. So there's also, you know, trying to be in people's way, but not be too much in people's way. And so the way that the actual game flow works is that you put down your as many workers as you possibly can and you do as many things as you possibly can until the round ends. But one thing that's really clever and that I like a lot is that the round ends when all of these, uh, there's like these cards that are called the bell tower cards. The round ends when all of the bell tower cards are gone. But on a player's turn, they could simply just choose to pick up a bell tower. And a player could essentially rush through and just force the game to end quickly by picking up all the bell tower cards. So one thing that's really interesting is this sort of like bait, baiting other players of like constantly like pulling the bell tower cards and then like playing chicken with people to see if they're going to try to end the round or force the end of the round or to see, you know, if they're going to scramble under pressure and make suboptimal like weird plays based on, you know, them thinking that you want to force the round to end. Very, very cool game. I like it a lot, and, and I really like the magic aspect of it, the variable powers of you, you choose characters at the beginning of the game. Some of them have offensive abilities or defensive abilities, and then you have the different schools of magic. Uh, very akin to Black Rose Wars. I think that you would oh, like don't say that word because you like Black Rose Wars, where you can learn spells throughout the game, and then you can do things to level them up, and, and you can cast... and. Also, you have access at some points to learn legendary spells, which can just like devastate the board, can totally like change the entire game when you get. This really them does sound a lot like Black Rose Wars. It is a really sick game. It's really awesome. I like it a lot. Uh, one of the most fun experiences I had playing board games was a four-player game of Argent the Consortium uh, with John, uh, Kevin Klein, and Charlene. Can't ever get that Kevin, but when you do, it's a big difference. It was actually hilarious just seeing Charlene and Kevin play a board game together because Kevin takes forever to like play through his turns and like Charlene yeah, was just the like, one who like always asks. He's always just like, I can do this, but I don't really want to do this. And Charlene was just trying to rush him along the whole game. So the two of them are actually just like fighting, but but since they're fighting in this competitive game they're actually just like casting spells at each other and it was just so much fun to watch wow so how is that what is BattleCon? BattleCon is similar to uh yomi if you're familiar with that it is a one versus one fighting game it is a fighting game card game board game uh where you choose where essentially you combine two decks you have a deck of cards that is strike uh, dash, grasp, uh, dodge, burst. You have all these fighting game moves, and then you choose a character, and the character uh, adds their own style to that. So there is, for example, a magical girl character who has like astral and magical and galactic, so that she can combine her cards, and then she can do a galactic strike or a magical strike or an astral strike, similar to Gloomhaven, right? Yeah. Where you have these two cards, you push them together. 
and then you have a you have an attack. And in Battlecon, uh, what you're doing is you and an opponent both put down your cards and then you reveal them. And then there's a priority number on the cards. So if I do a similar strike, to or even similar to a fighting game where different moves have different priorities. So if you're trying to wind up to do this really big attack and I do a quick jab, I'm going to put you in stun. And then you're not going to be able to do like your big wind up attack unless your attack has super armor. And there's all these, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really impressive. And it's got that level 99 style that, that I really dig. Uh, it's just so cool. There's, um, I actually got Argent the Consortium and Battlecon uh, in my pledge to get Imperial. So I have almost the entire collection of Battlecon and I'm thinking about finalizing it by getting the last box I don't have just because I had so much fun playing it this weekend. It's really fast to play and it's two players and there needs to be more two player games in the world. But that's not all I played. I played Seven Wonders Duel. I was really, I almost bought that because that was also at Barnes and Noble. Seven Wonders Duel, I don't really know. It's like Civilization Light, where you just try to essentially, you at the start of the game, you draft these different wonders and they have different build requirements and it's open information. You know what the enemy is trying to go for. So as you're going through your turns, you're trying to figure out. Uh, if there's something that you can buy that will benefit you, if it would benefit you more to buy something that the enemy needs, do you want to control the market on like wood or brick? While the whole time, there's also this military aspect of the game where if you're trying to build up your civilization, uh, but you're ignoring military, then the enemy can just push you on military and instantly win the game if you just aren't defending yourself well enough. So the thing I like about the game is that it's not like so binary of, <clears throat> okay, there's one way to win this. I need victory points. And if I get more victory points than my opponent, I win. The thing that's cool about it is that there's actually three different ways that you can win uh, through the civilization, through uh, military, or through uh, science victory. Oh, cool. Where essentially you collect all these different uh, forms of science and then you win the game. So I like it because there's multiple considerations going on at once. That sounds really cool. I, I, I really want to actually see that, though. Finally, I played a quick board game called Onitama, which I don't know if you've heard of, but... I told you about it. Oh, you did? Okay, well, then I played that. My LTCP owns it. I thought I, I, thought I explained game. this on a podcast. Um, yeah, really cool idea of like a almost like chess-style board game, but like not like you have to like switch the abilities of your card like the abilities of your pieces with your enemy so like that it just creates all these interesting things of like well do i want to give up this ability right now to move my card like you know a horse or something um the thing that i like about onitama also is that like depending on what kind of cards you get like like you could end up with a with a set of cards that's very right leaning and maybe there's only one card on the table that can actually push the pieces to the left. Yeah. So then you sort of want to work that into your strategy of every time that you get the left piece, you use it properly to make sure that you're moving your entire team to the left at the start of the match. Because then later on, you're going to pick up all those right cards, and then you can really make a good assault. Cool yeah. game. 
fast to play. Good two players. Good two player game, and apparently there needs to be more of those. What about Hive and Pocket? Played, Have you ever played Hive Pocket? Uh, no, but I'm familiar with uh, the idea of Hive. Sort of similar to Onitama in a way, right? Well, more chessy, I think. Yeah. Okay. Keep keep going. You were saying something. Yeah, because I also played another round of Millennium Blades. Did you know that Millennium Blades is maybe one of the best games? You certainly think that. I'm not fully there, I but I think it's so. It's, I think I do think it is really cool. You know that the, the the tough thing about board gaming, especially when you start getting to heavier gaming, is that the first time you play a game is probably the worst playthrough of it. I might really like Blood Rage the second time I play it. I might really like Rising Sun the fir- the second time I play it. Sometimes those first playthroughs can be a little bit shaky. And especially with those heavier games, uh, playing them sort of with players who have more experience can be very tricky. I know I liked Blood Rage way more the second time I played it. Absolutely. And, and I bet that I would. All right, well... Is that the end? Is that the deal? That's I man, I talked about a lot of games. I think we right? talked I think we did it fast. Did you know that I have Yakuza 0 pre-purchased on Steam? Oh, I didn't even know that was coming to Steam. It is coming to Steam. Uh they're starting with Yakuza 0. The entire Yakuza series is coming to Steam, and it's something that I have been really interested in playing for a long time. But at the same time, not interested enough to play it on ps4 yeah uh yeah okay i think you're gonna find quickly that you're not as interested in it but you'll find out for yourself whether that's true or not you didn't like it or did you did you, you i i don't i don't it? like y- yakuza that much it, it is very funny. it is very it slow you have funny? to you have to play a lot of it to get anywhere it is not like a grand theft auto or something where like or oh, like okay. a Saints Row where you'd like enjoy it quickly. Like I feel like it's a very, very slow game and it takes like, you know, sixty hours to start being like, Oh yeah, I'm really getting it and loving it. What are you gonna play when this podcast ends? Pandemic Legacy. I thought that I was gonna play through that with you, but I guess you uh started I have risk. Huh? Oh man, I, I hate risk, but right. I do I do too, but I've heard great things about Risk Legacy. It started the legacy tr- uh, trend. Also, I'll have you know that after like visiting this weekend, John Getz is seriously considering moving out here. We could also do uh, Pandemic too. There will be a lot of board games going on in the in the near future. That would be cool. Because my my legion of board game players is getting bigger and bigger. It grows and, day by day. And Charlene is super excited about Food Chain Magnet this week. I'm going to be playing some Food Chain Magnate. That game, I've been, I did a lot of research on it. Uh, it's an expensive game, not as expensive as some others that 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 some people have bought. But some people, I, I did my due diligence. I did my research, and I know that I'm going to like it. I'm really excited to check it out. Hey, listen, I play Kingdom Death every week, so don't even shame me. Do you play it solo? I've every only time? ever played it solo. Yes. Have you? You've never tried to like get Priya into it? Is that not an option? I don't want anyone to see what happens when I play Kingdom Death. And are you still playing Charterstone? Are you still playing? I haven't gotten a chance to play Charterstone in a while. It's so sad. How do you play all of these legacy games? Um, I get, I get, I, I play Charterstone when I can play Charterstone. We've been playing it over the course of like months and months and months now, so it's not like Where consistent. Where are thing. you in Gloomhaven? Um, I guess that's that's kind of a variable question. It's so disappointing 
to not hear you talking excitedly about Gloomhaven. Yeah, I mean, I'm still I'm still feel like, hard digging it. I feel like if you and I were closer, then it would be just Gloomhaven all the damn time. You think so? Or it at could least be. half the time. I think it's a really damn fine game. Yeah. Speaking of damn fine games, uh, and I don't want to get into this because I don't want to, you know, make this go on longer than it needs to, but I've been revisiting Cultist Simulator. And that's a pretty damn good game. Very relaxing. A great game for breakfast. Wow. With your morning Interesting. coffee. To relax, have a cup of coffee. Because you want to have, when you're eating your breakfast, when you're having your cup of coffee, I don't know about you, but I like to have a one-hand game. Okay, that makes sense. Something like a Slay the Spire. Yes. Where you yeah, got well, your cup of yeah, coffee, you're just dragging. But I feel like Slay the Spire is it better because it's slow. Them, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Cultist Simulator in the same way. One, one hand game, uh, nice with a cup of coffee, and has that sort of like uh, mystique to it that, that, uh, that, that you sort of want with your, with your cup of coffee. Fair enough. And that's the deal with games. And man, it was, uh, it was nonstop games. It was rip-roaring. go off topic once, except for when you brought in Jurassic uh, World. But which, that, I think that was in some way on topic. I wonder if in the future we could get uh, Sean Killian onto this podcast. We should. He's coming for my birthday. So you'll see him in person maybe soon. Yeah, we'll need to figure that out because, uh, well, let's talk about that off, off cast. Uh, this has been WTDG Podcast. You can find us online at WTDGpodcast.com, on Twitter at sign. WTDG podcast and on iTunes at what's the deal with games where you can rate comment and subscribe to the show. Thank you, Ryan Gowan crying for the use of your music. We use the intro and outro of revive off the new album beyond the footing gales. You can find them at the room for cover band camp. And I think that in the next super smash brothers shadow, the hedgehog would make a great character. And I think that in the next super smash brothers, John Boyega would make would make a fantastic character and he even has his incredible hit quote we just don't have it <laughs>